Have you ever wondered how successful architecture, engineering, and construction companies scale their business? Or have you ever wanted guidance on how to get more growth, wealth, and freedom from your AEC company? Well, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Will Forat. And I'm Justin Nagel, and we're your podcast hosts. We interview successful AEC business leaders to learn how they use people, process, and technology to scale their businesses. So sit back and get ready to learn from the industry's best. This is Building Scale. Hey listeners, it's Will here. Our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. If you've ever listened to our show, then you know that the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. So if you suspect technology is your weak link, then book a call with us to see where we can help maximize your company's IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. Today's guest is Graham Steers. Graham is the president of Melton Design Build. Melton Design Build has been in business for 30 years, which is awesome. And they are focused on residential and commercial construction, both remodels and new builds. They are a B Corp certified, or they are B Corp certified, which is exciting, with 78 employees and do about 20 million a year in gross revenue. Uh, Graham has a master's degree in uh, philosophy out of the sweet, sweet University of Chicago, Loyola. He is a carpenter by trade and enjoys spending time in the Rocky Mountains with his spouse and two young children. Uh, I'm very envious of you being in Colorado, being able to go to the mountain anytime you want. Uh, I know we talked about this the first time, but uh, I can see a mountain, but it's 112 today in in Phoenix, so I won't be on it, but uh, you could probably go to the mountain today and have a really great time. So with all that said, Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, uh, let, let's just kind of kick it off here. So uh, love to hear the origin story. Uh, we were talking just a little bit ago about uh, kind of the, the construction philosophy, construction kind of thing, which was very interesting to me. But tell us how you how you got in construction. Why is that the path? And then tell us about um, Melton. Yeah, thanks. You know, I've been in construction since I was a teenager. I started out pushing a broom on commercial job sites and just finding a way to make money and pay the bills. And learned that carpentry was really interesting. And so I I started doing carpentry. And yes, I did go to school. My intention was to get a degree in construction management, but philosophy sort of swept me off my feet, so to speak. And so I pursued that as well. Turns out there's not a lot of career opportunity in that field. And so, you know, I was grateful that during summers, I spent time banging nails and, and learning a trade. And so became a carpenter and worked for custom home builders and then became a site superintendent for a commercial builder and um, eventually found my way here to Melton Design Build and about eight years ago was hired to manage the warranty here and slowly moved into project management and production management. And then um, about a year and a half ago, the, the founder decided to retire and sold the company to myself and uh, one other co-worker who at the time was managing the design department. So Craig and I um, now own Melton Design Build and really are excited to just carry the torch of, of our culture here in Boulder and, and just have fun remodeling. Awesome. Uh, one of the big, for me, very shiny and attractive things about Melton is you guys have recently become a B Corp. So uh, can you, one, for listeners that maybe don't know what a B Corp is, can you 
give a quick, hey, this is what a B Corp is. Uh, and then why? Like, why make that shift when you guys, uh, you know, you just uh, essentially acquire the company or, you know, become owners of the company a year and a half ago. And then, hey, one of the first things on our list, B Corp. So tell us about it. Yeah, yeah. So B Corp is an international certification. It's a third party that will uh, hold businesses accountable to standards of performance as it relates to the environment, workers, your governance, your community. And so becoming a certified B Corp is really our way of saying we care about our environment and our people and our impact and our community as much as we care about profit and the bottom line. And so uh, Melton Design Build, as far as the IRS is concerned, we're still an S corporation. But as far as, as who we are, you know, to ourselves and our community, we're, we're a B corporation. And so we're measured and monitored and accountable to, to those impacts. And it's written into the very fabric of our organization and to our articles of organization that we, uh, we need to make business decisions in large part on how they impact the people and the world around us. Got it. So why was that important for you and Craig to do when you took over the company? Right. So our founder, Ty Melton, uh, long ago, you know, wrote onto our compass or our mission, vision, and value statement that uh, we want balance and respect uh, amongst what he called ECOT, which is short for employees, customers, owners, and trade partners. And he had this metaphor of of business being sort of a terrarium where you have all these various uh, discrete species or or uh, you know plants and animals and all these things that that interact in a sympathetic way and that impact each other and and can either contribute to the overall health of that terrarium or decrease the health of it. And so, if if we can see and recognize our business as operating and impacting you know, our terrarium here, then that's going to help guide our decisions um, as an organization. And so caring for all the the shareholders, whether they had a fiscal, you know, impact relationship to the company was as important as making a net profit. And so that was built into our culture and how we operated. And, and when we owned the company, we decided let's make this official and, and really up the ante on this and um, hold ourselves more accountable and, and just really engage with a community of like-minded people and organizations that are trying to do the same thing and really trying to make construction better and, um, and the world better. So, you know, as I was thinking about the whole B Corp status versus let's say traditional uh, S Corp or C Corp, right? For-profit versus sort of making better decisions, but that usually comes maybe at a cost right? And construction is already a low margin business just in general, right? It's, it's very cutthroat. So can you tell me a little bit about maybe some examples of decisions that you would make? So if you were traditional S Corp versus being cautious towards the B Corp, like give me some scenarios where the decision would be different if you were same exact scenario. If you were an S Corp, you would do it one way. If you were a B Corp, you'd do it a different way or you are doing it a different way. Do you have some examples of of that? Sure. You know, when we receive a a cabinet delivery from a cabinet vendor, you know, all the boxes are are contained in cardboard. And it would be 
cheap and efficient and profitable to just throw the cardboard in the nearest dumpster, right? That we have on site for other trash. But instead we, we make sure and set it aside and then we make a special trip to um, our local recycling, recycling station and, and uh, recycle that cardboard. And then we measure and monitor, you know, how many pounds of cardboard a month are we, are we recycling? Um, when we demo a house, we'll, we'll take windows, doors, fixtures uh, to a resource yard where they can be repurposed or reused rather than thrown away. You know, there's just multiple ways on the construction and that we can um, to just tend, tend to and care for the resources that we have our hands on. And then on the people side, when we're looking at compensation, when we're talking about health care coverage for our employees or time off or work-life balance and how many hours of people work in a week, you know, it would be easy just to say, well, what makes the company the most money? But instead, we, we say, well, what is the most fun and rewarding for our staff and what, what acknowledges the fact that they're, they're whole humans with lives and families and hobbies and interests and, and, um, and, um, and we want to invest in that. And I think that ultimately that will pay dividends for, for the terrarium, for everybody involved. I think that that can, in the moment, it seems more expensive and painful. But what we're doing was we're taking a long view, right? And we're, we're building impact, right? And I think that our quality and our service are, are increased. And so there's a value proposition there that, yes, it's going to cost a little bit more to do it the quote-unquote right way or, or to do it a better way. And, yes, we're, we, our clients are going to have to help us pay for that. But in return, we, we all get to live in a better world and be better people. And, and there's no price tag you can put on that. And so that's where we put our values. And, and I think most of our clients, that's, that's where they put their values too. And as much as, you know, voting in, in a democratic society might be a way that you would express or promote your, your views, I think it's, it's where and how you spend your money um, as a person, as a consumer, and as a business that ultimately is how you can impact society in the way that you you desire to impact it. And so that's what we're trying to do. I certainly have heard this statement, you vote with your dollars, right? I mean, like everybody, you know, talks about the market, you know, the market's the equalizer. That's the thing that will, uh, when you think of capitalism, just as in uh, the traditional sense, the same goes in this, where it's like, if there's a better way to do something or if a company is going to treat their people well, or align with my values and, and whatever that looks like, you do have a vote every time you go to the store, every time you get a service or everything, like you do have that vote. And it's, it's cool to hear that when it's like construction is not thought of this way in generality. So then when you like say, Hey, we're, we're totally construction company and a design build company that is being conscientious about the impact, which then does mean like lowest fit is not our play. Like that's not, that's not where we go. Mm-hmm. So what uh, I, I guess the question then becomes, though, is how do you, I guess we'd say, combat that, right? So if, if historically construction is like lowest bid wins the deal kind of a thing, how do you combat that when you're going to a new client? Mm-hmm. Well, we're just very upfront and honest about that, that, that if you as a homeowner or a business owner really are just looking for the lowest, you're going to get three bids and you're going to pick the lowest and that's your process. 
then we're probably not a good fit. You know, we're, we're probably not going to be the lowest. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be somebody more expensive, but, you know, and here's why. Uh, we think we deliver a superior quality and service. And um, here are the things we care about and value as an organization. And if you're not on board with that, that's totally fine. There's plenty of other folks in town you could probably hire to get the job done. But, but if you want sort of what we have to offer and there's alignment value, then that's the foundation of, of trust. And, and trust can be just an amazingly rewarding thing to have in business. And, and interactions with clients and and it's a way to make what is really a stressful thing remodeling your house building a house remodeling your business that is extremely you know expensive and stressful and so we do what we can to try to make it fun and rewarding for everybody and part of that is being honest and upfront about expectations about intentions about about value and so People who work with us multiple times, they, they're well aware that they could get it done cheaper. But, you know, if you were in the market for a tattoo, you're probably not going to go for the cheapest, right? You, you want, you want something that's going to, that's going to be good. And so try to provide that. That's a great know. analogy. That's I like stick figures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have, have me design yeah. your tattoo. That'll turn out great. I'm really horrific at Pictionary or the draw. Hey, guess what I'm drawing? Yeah, this is not the it's not the game for me by any means. Yeah. Um, so it's we're so we're not a B Corp. So, but I've certainly heard that, hey, like it, this is like a full-time job to become certified. Like it is, it, it's like a it's a whole process. Like it's big, it's it takes a lot of people on the team. How, like when you're going through this process, how did you balance that? Like, you know, hey, we're, we're still running our business. And like, and I know that you already had a lot of the core components because of just your culture in general. But like, how do you then go through this process and say like, hey, I have to report on this and, and all of those things. And I, I need you to do this, but I also need you to do your job. How did, how did that go? Yeah, I mean, I think we just had to carve out time to make it happen. You know, we had to just realize, yep, it's going to, going to take hours and it's going to take time um but we decided it was worthwhile as an organization and so yeah it's it's not like it's a a money-making endeavor necessarily um but it it is important to who we are and so we just made the time to do it and and currently you know we haven't been certified very long um and we're currently in the process of of developing a, a committee if you will called the a beehive where people from various departments can talk about, you know, how are our activities? Are they being tracked? What improvements can we make come recertification in three years? And to just work it into the rhythm of our whirlwind or the cadence of our our operation that um, when we look at policy and we look at change and growth, that we're always simultaneously looking at, okay, what is our impact on the community and how are we measuring that? And what can we do to get 1% better or to do something just a little bit different uh, tomorrow than we did yesterday? And it's, it's uh, those small incremental changes and those, those ideologies that really get just woven in to, to our, our workflow that at first seems traumatic, just jumping in a cold pool. But, but in three years, it's going to be like, how could we have ever done it any different? And um, I think it'll become second nature. So you're weaving in an ethos, you're weaving in the B, the B Corp ethos, and 
you know, so with your people, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming at some point it will be part of, if you haven't figured it out already, your hiring process, at what point, is there any point where it's too much, right? Because, and I don't know how much it affects profitability, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? How much does it actually really affect profitability being B Corp versus just straight up S Corp decision making? Right, so there's an annual fee based on the size of your organization measured by your revenue. So that's like we're going to cut a check to B Labs, uh, which is a nonprofit to, you know, fund their ability to measure, monitor and certify us. You know, we're going to spend some money on marketing to put the B Corp certification, you know, where our logo occurs or in certain places. We're going to spend a bunch of money on staff and hours measuring, monitoring, developing spreadsheets picking up cardboard, you know, writing policy uh, that keeps us sort of open book governance structure. You know, we're going to, we're going to spend a lot of time doing that stuff. And yeah, it is expensive. Um, and is there a world or a threshold where that, that doesn't make sense as a business? Probably, but it's, you know, companies have to make a profit to stay alive, right? To keep, feeding the families that rely on our organization and to make it fun and rewarding to own it and have the risk associated with the business. I'd say as long as we can, we can keep our staff employed and, and working and make a little bit of profit, then I'm okay spending money on being a B Corp. Um, the minute that being a B Corp puts that at risk, and it's hard to believe that happening, honestly, um, then, then it becomes, um, an issue or a question whether we continue to participate. But uh, right now it seems, it, I think it's a win-win. Um, I'm not seeing it. All I see now is the benefit that it has to our organization and our profitability long-term, not a hindrance to it. So. That's great to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, are you able to share, and it's okay if you, if, if you can't, are you able to share like what the percentage is or uh, of, you know, a company's revenue or profitability that let's say goes towards B Corp or sort of the dues or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, I can, I don't know the percentage off the top of my head. I can tell you when we got certified, I think our fee was $8,500. That seems like nothing. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you've got 70 something people. No. Uh, that, that seems like nothing in the grand scheme of things. Okay, thank you. So yep. it's, it so really isn't about that. It's about all the other things then. I just wanted to put it out, out in the air. Like it's not super expensive. Mm -hmm. It's the actions. It's not. Okay. Yeah. So, the cost, the cost is in, in labor and operational attention. And I, I think it, it will pay dividends in terms of an investment. I think it will, it will pay us back tenfold. Yeah. Because this goes and you guys were already on. Uh, the original founder is the uh, Echo T. So like you were already doing mm -hmm. a lot of these things, right? And maybe you weren't reporting on them as diligently because you, you know, you didn't have to get certified somewhere to do it. You just knew, hey, we're doing good stuff. Like we are being impactful because we're doing these things. So it less of a, like, it's not like you weren't already this company. You've just stamped, you've just gotten the stamp now, right? Like that's kind of the, at least the vibe that I've gotten talking to you, Graham. Mm -hmm. Of a B Corp, uh, how they like assess it is there's five different 
like places where impact comes in. So governance, workers, community, environment, and then uh, customers. Where, like when you were going through this, where was like, hey, like we're really strong in this area. Like we're just like, this is a this is a lot of points that are going to our assessment to to effectively get that certification. Yeah, I think our our workers sphere well was really good. It was easy to score a lot of points. We provide our staff with with a lot of paid sick pay and vacation pay and holiday pay. We pay for their health insurance to you know the baseline premium 100. We you know we really have a lot of work life balance policies in place. And then the governance was pretty good. Like we have an open book governing strategy where we have monthly company meetings and we share the numbers and everybody knows if we're doing good or bad or, you know, and so those two areas were, were sort of the low hanging fruit for us, so to speak. And then the environmental stuff. Yeah. We've, we've been, in, uh, you know, recycling and, and um, reusing materials for a long time. And that part was, was hard in terms of measuring mm-hmm. and monitoring it and, how do you track the poundage of cardboard that you're recycling and some stuff like that? And then community impact. You know, we are involved with a lot of nonprofits here in the greater Boulder area. And um, and so that, that was an easy place to score points as well. Hey, listeners, it's Will here. Our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. If you've ever listened to our show, then you know that the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. So if you suspect technology is your weak link, then book a call with us to see where we can help maximize your company's IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. Open, you said something, which is open book policy, okay? Which is really interesting because the industry generally is not open book. If anything, that's very counterintuitive. And... I'm not saying this is our experience, but I've seen uh, and heard where open book policy was a disaster. Like when things are good, it's great. But when things are bad, people are jumping off the ship because they think that it's because it's bad right there, that it's bad for the entire company, you know, forever or whatever. And so you could have potentially really good people that are jumping ship. Has that been your experience? Uh, And if not, what do you think? What do you have to do to make sure that people aren't jumping ship because you have a bad quarter, let's say, or bad month? Yeah, I think, you know, honesty and transparency around those issues needs to be coupled with some education, right? You you can't just give somebody the numbers and say, here they are, you know, here's our revenue goal or our budget, and here's where we are year to date, and here's how our sales are going, and relative to what they need to be to survive as an organization. You also have to provide some color and context and some time investing in that educational component where, um, and allow people to ask questions like, Hey, what does that mean? Is that like bad as in pull the fire alarm? Or is that just like a low quarter and there are bumps in the road and it's normal. And, and I think that if you can have an open conversation about some of that stuff, it ultimately is, is going to help. And, and I can't think of an example in the, in the eight years, at least I've I've been with Melton Design Build that um, having that approach has has uh, we've lost people over that. And I, honestly, I'd rather lose somebody over seeing the numbers than I would rather surprise somebody with, "Hey, I know you think things have been going great, but I, I just called you in here to lay you off. We, you know, we're not doing well, and the numbers aren't adding up, and they've got to go home to their family and go, oh my God, I.'" 
I had no idea. I'd rather us be open and communicative about it. And, and I, I guess I'm grateful that our business has done so well that, that uh, more times than not, it's, it's good news. And it's, hey, we've exceeded our goals. And I mean, just yesterday at our company meeting, we, we looked at our quarter two numbers and they exceeded their goals. And we have a, a plan where we give extra paid days off. So we gave everybody in the company two extra paid days off because we hit our Q2 revenue goals. And, and uh, so it's nice when it's good news. You're right. It could be a downer when it's bad, but but I'd rather the truth be on the table than, than to keep people in the dark. And I, I think it encourages buy-in and, and an ownership mentality from everybody if they know what's going on. It actually reminds, we had a guest on last fall, I believe, T.W. Frierson. So they're employee-owned. So they're employee-owned uh, general contractor out of uh, Tennessee. And they similar, right? Because like they're all owners, right? Like all the employees are owners. So it's like they all have a- access to see what's happening or not. One of the things that he said was, this is how you get people to then think creatively and try, how can I help in other ways so we can we can make the numbers better? How can, what's a thing I can do to have more impact? Have you found that to be similar where it's like, hey, we had this meeting, things, we didn't hit our numbers. And it doesn't mean I had a horrible quarter. It's just like, hey, we didn't hit our numbers. And it's like, do you see people saying like, hey, like how can I help sales or how can sales help ops or, you know, what, you know, kind of cross team collaboration? Yeah, there's way more cross-team or interdepartmental collaboration. And we've got a lot of different brain types and personalities and skill sets in a design build firm. You've got interior designers and architects and carpenters and laborers and project managers and estimators. And, and you know, when you get them in the room and you talk about an issue, it, it's amazing at, the, at the, the breadth of ideas that can come to the table where you know, a carpenter might have a perspective on on a sales process or a design or an interior designer may have some insight onto an estimating approach or process. And, and it really, you know, diversity of ideas uh, can really generate uh, some exceptional uh, processes and teamwork and, and ultimately raise the bar for everybody. And I think it's it's a lot of fun, you know, working in a design build firm for that reason. You know, you're not, you don't have blinders on, so to speak, in terms of the construction process. And I'm just looking at this one part, you know, installing cabinets, but, but there's sort of a continuity to it where, you know, the, the installer knows the designer and the architect and the drafter and can hop on the phone and be like, Hey, here's what I'm seeing. And and then we can create feedback loops and, and, and um, really make each other better and the industry better as a result of it. Yeah, and you have philosophers in the company to, to add in uh, some <laughs> we do, additional we do. thoughts. It's philosophers, theologians, we've yeah, we've got them all. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. So we we talked a little bit about the you know the low bid, you know, being upfront, being candid. What what have you seen uh, via marketing? And maybe you've not, again, you just became a certified B Corp. So maybe it's some stuff that you've been doing. Maybe it's like plans for future. Maybe you're like, hey, we're building this beehive. We're getting there, Justin, just, you know, hold your horses kind of a thing. Um, but where right. do you see like inserting that ethos of B Corp into that marketing sales process, like to to emphasize the fact that like we're being impactful like that, like because of that, like that means p- things are better for our, our people, our community, like every, like all of the 
terrarium kind of vibe. Like, how, have you been able to do that? Or is that part of the, the roadmap here with the beehive? Yeah, I mean, I think we are, you know, adding the bee certification logo to some of our materials. We have a landing page on our website that explains what it is. Uh, we're certainly going to let prospects and clients know that that we are bee certified. Maybe they don't know what it is or care, and that's cool. That's totally fine. I, I think uh, it's more about communicating our values and, and that that's like a shorthand or a shortcut to, to signal something broader. So in my mind, as long as, as our marketing is doing a good job of telling the story of who we are and what we value in terms of we're engaged in our community, we're, we're involved in these things, that's really what's more important, that the, the meat of who we are is, is being told effectively. And, and my hope is that the B certification is able to tell that story in shorthand. Uh, but if not, that's, that's fine too, as long as, as we're saying, hey, we're engaged and involved in the community. We, you know, when you work with us, we're not here just to look at the, the bottom line on the balance sheet, right? We're, we're here as impactful, conscious participants in a network and in, in, in an institution. And so as long as we can continue to do that and tell that story and, and let our clients know that um, we're in the community and trying to thoughtfully, thoughtfully tailor that impact, then, then that's what matters to me. The when uh, Ty was the uh, running show, obviously named after himself, uh, which is very common. Mm-hmm. Was he showcasing outwardly? Obviously, I assume internally he was showing his vision. He's talking. He talked about terrarium. He talked about the uh, eco tea. Was was he pushing that out externally? And if he was, like, how has that transition been for you and, and the team? Where it's like, that's you know, like that that was a piece and now we're we're transitioning to a new leadership and like what that looks like mm-hmm. well let's hmm. see in our our foyer here you know he always had up uh, you know plaques and pictures associated with some of his involvement like in the local rotary club and the various nonprofit activities with that and various other you know historical societies and his his philanthropic engagement and you know, I think that he tried to keep the company sort of as much as possible neutral with respect to politics and religion. And, and that continues. That's, you know, we're, we're builders. We're not politicians or, or, or as an institution, religious folks. And so I, I think that I am careful in telling the B Corp story and becoming that, that we're not sort of greenwashing, if you will. We're not yeah. saying, hey, we recycle and we're, kind of the environment but but really that that we're doing that and that's who we are and the b corp is is there if you're interested and that has meaning to you um but i want to make sure that we're really living our values and not just not just talking about it a bunch and and all in the right ways and so um i'm really conscious of that and i really don't want to be I don't want B Corp to be something that inauthentically reflects, you know, where where the heart of our our organization is. So, I, I love that. One Did I of my question. I don't no, know. No, t- totally. Hey, that 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 is that is it. It's your your uh, opinion upon it. I I love that because one of my family core values is uh, don't just talk about it, be about it effectively. Where it's like 
we the things you do are the things that you really show that you care about. Those are the things that actually matter. Um, I frequently think you may want to be, uh, you know, uh, have a six pack. You may want to all these things, but like if you're not doing anything to actually get that, it's like, well, you don't really want that. Like you would like the idea of it, but you don't, you're not willing to actually put the work in to do that. So therefore you don't care about it that much because if you did care about it that much, you would put work in to make that reality. And it doesn't matter what uh, sign, logo, certification you have. It's about the action, not about the saying. As I was thinking about this, and we touched upon it a little bit, but you have to grow, right? And so a lot of the, a lot of GCs that grow through word of mouth, through relationship building, how much of your growth has been from relationship building versus let's say standard marketing or some version of marketing. And and what have you guys done? You know, I'd say 40 to 50% of, of our business comes through repeats, referrals, word of mouth. You know, we've been in this community for 30 years now and we really at every turn try to take the high road and try to do the right thing and try to deliver the best, the best we have. And, and that is just, paid in dividends uh, that we are trusted in the community and that, uh, you know, people want to come back to us to do more work. And when they're telling their friends about their kitchen remodel, they're, they're going to recommend us. And that's, yeah, like I say, 40 to 50% of our work comes through that repeat referral word of mouth. And then the rest of it through, you know, website, SEO, truck logos, signs and yards, all, all the other more traditional marketing methods. That's actually pretty impressive, you know, a high, refer- high referral rate, which is great, but you, it isn't all organic, which means knowing how to market. Do you actually leverage the B Corp sort of in your marketing or talk about that in either your marketing or your sales process? We're starting to, and we're starting to learn how to, and, and B-Lab has some guidance on that. And so um, we're just now sort of dipping our toe in those waters to see to see the impact, and we have gotten a couple leads already through through B Corporation, which is cool to see. That's yeah. awesome. Um, Woohoo! Uh huh. And some some potential hires too have noticed that we're B Corp and have applied for positions here for that very reason. So there's there's an internal marketing component there, if you will, as well. I, I think that um, you know we'll start to see how and, and in what ways we can attract like-minded folks in the future. I have to hope that once uh, people listen to this episode, if they're in Boulder, they'll want to work for you. I mean, like you, you take care of your employees. That, that was very obvious when you talked about a little bit of PTO and uh, healthcare and those things like that. So uh, when you do the right things, right, uh, people want to work for you. <laughs> That's what we're banking on. <laughs> You know, we talked about we talked about people. We talked a whole bunch about process of, you know, being a B Corp and what it really means, which there is a lot for sure, and there seems to be some return on dividends uh, there. And you're looking at a long view. I think everything that we've heard, everything that we've seen, the long view is where essentially success is had with any of the any of the companies that we've talked to that haven't that have been successful, and even the biggest of the big uh, construction companies. It's always the long-term view is what has set them apart from those that are trying to do the short-term, make a buck here, and 
the reality is it'll probably, you know, <laughs> how would I put this? Uh, it didn't suit them very well uh, in the long-term view. It's why some of them are not even around because too many short-term decisions. So mm-hmm. um, I want to talk a little, little bit about uh, technology. So uh, in our pre-interview, you talked a little bit about uh, ethos and comparing to Starbucks, where you're not just buying. How did you say it? It was. Uh, it's not. You're not just buying a cup of coffee. Yeah, you're you're buying ideology. Yeah. Okay. So, do you invest in technology that would align with your B Corp ethos? Yes, we. You know, we've engaged some accounting software that allows us to reduce pushing papers around, stamping receipts reimbursement forms, various um, accounting processes. We've, we've moved into some software that reduces paper. Um, we, we're transitioning into an electric fleet. Um, you know, we have an e-bike in our front office that staff can use to take out to job sites. You know, our project management, uh, we're trying to leverage technology like smart sheets to, uh, to really streamline um, and leverage cloud-based to schedule projects, to monitor how they're doing, to communicate tasks. In design, we're using Matterport scans on sites so we can send to trade partners links to those scans so they don't have to drive out to the house to to look at and price the job. They can just click on the link and um, digitally take a tour of the site and check it out and and then submit a price electronically. And then we can award them electronically and then... um, they still have to show up and, and pull the wires and, and uh, connect the pipes. That that hasn't turned turned electronic yet. But um, you know, as much as we can, we're trying to find those places where where we can reduce fossil fuels, reduce paper, reduce uh, labor. Human time is a is a, a precious resource as well. And so, if we can use technology to to gain back some time, then that that's good too. Okay. So there are a lot of different ways. What about like cybersecurity? Because you are working with some sort of higher net worth clientele, right? Uh, do they ask you anything or do they have any concerns when working with your company, cybersecurity? And if they do, how do you address it? Yeah, you know, I, I can't think of a time a customer has asked about it. We've had some conversation with, with some of our vendors because, you know, sometimes there's there's fake invoices floating around or we'll get an email from from a roofer that says, hey, our banking account number has changed since send your next payment to the following routing number or whatever. And so, you know, we've done some training internally about being careful around that stuff. And then um, obviously just don't just click on any email that was sent your way. You know, we, we talk about that and, and we have a, uh, a writer on an insurance policy for cyber cyber uh, insurance and so you know we've decided that that's important to think about and try to make sure we're we're covered but so far our clients haven't really really asked about it which is interesting Um, but we're certainly talking about it and thinking about it well thank you for sharing that's that's great uh that's music to my ears that uh, at least you're thinking about it you are like part of like the top five or ten percent of gcs that are thinking about it yeah, Will uh, speaks frequently to the roundtables or just, you know, conferences and things like that. And uh, it is still surprising to me how often people are so unaware 
like it, to, to me, it seems like, well, this in, you know, in fairness, like, well, we're in tech. So like inherently, this is just part of what we do. But it is still baffling how many specifically the construction of the AEC space, how they're they're just unaware. It's just the education part that is so far behind, because I think once they have the education, then it becomes easy. And it's like, well, I don't like I don't want to lose money. Like, I mean, like that's like, it's like this or lose money. So those are the options and it becomes very easy for them to understand, but it's just so, you know, construction has just historically been further behind with technology when you look at other industries. And um, yeah, so it's, it's very sweet to hear that. Oh yeah. You're totally already, already thinking about all that stuff. So Justin, I think it's time for our last question. What do you think? For sure. Fire away, Will. So, Graham, I love asking this question, and we get a different answer every time. So if you could go back 20 years, what would you tell yourself? I think that I would tell myself to just have more fun. Have more fun. Have more fun. Don't take, don't take things too seriously. In what? 2003, what were you taking so seriously? Was it, were you already in college, right? Or going to college? Well, High school? College. I don't know. I don't know. It seems so long ago now. Yeah, I think it was. You know, I think that it's easy just to take life seriously, too seriously. And um, yeah, it's important. Decisions are important. But, um, you know, life is unexpected and it takes all kinds of turns you could have never planned for or guessed. And, and I think that if we can just learn to breathe and enjoy it a little more along the way, um, you know, it, it could make things better. And uh, I'm certainly happy with, with where I've ended up in the last 20 years and what has happened. But um, I, I think uh, I would ask my younger self to, to just have a little more fun and focus on that as well along the way. So, you know, awesome. I don't think I'd listen to myself. You know, I, I don't today. I don't imagine I would 20 years ago, but <laughs> that's what I'd say anyway. So I, I always, so when we ask this question, I always believe there's like, two of you right like time machine style and like i think if this happened to me i would then listen because i'm like oh my god like i you know like this is like sci-fi movie like i like i I almost like take to like i would have to listen to myself because it's not i know that i should do a thing it's like no some identical me came and told me and like which sounds you know crazy (laughs) because it is but nonetheless i feel like because it would be so crazy i'd be like i have to listen i now need to have more fun like and maybe you go you know way too far that way because you're like scared into you know the kind of like a dare program if you're scared straight into like only fun never make a real decision ever again i only do fun things there's only thing i do I would think nope. that he'd have a philosophical discussion because that's where he would discover philosophy yeah, and he would have a go. philosophical discussion with himself, his 20 year younger <laughs> self. That'd be really funny, I think. Yeah. Uh, maybe the time yeah, no you'll come back in a toga and like the, the uh, reef on their head, you can do the whole thing. All right. Uh, enough of that. Uh, Graham, it's been awesome to have you on the show. If people wanted to get a hold of you, uh, wanted to talk to you, is there a good way for them to contact you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, reach out to Melton Design Build. You know, our number and email is up on our website. And then always happy to chat about uh, B Corp with folks or, or if, uh, you know, you're thinking about your impact. I'm always happy to wrap about that. So feel free to reach out. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. We will throw uh, social media stuff, uh, website all in the show notes. And uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. So thank you again for being on the show. Um, and listeners, until next thank time. You. Adios. Adios. Thanks for listening to Building Scale. To help us reach even more people, please share this episode with a friend, a colleague, or on social media. Remember, the three pillars of scaling a business are people, process, and technology. And our mission is to help the AEC industry protect itself by making technology easy. So if you think your company's technology pillar could use some improvement, book a call with us to see how we can help maximize your IT and cybersecurity strategy. Just go to buildingscale.net slash help. And until next time, keep keep building building scale. scale.